Welcome to the brand new Voyage Care podcast. For season one, we'll be focusing on how we deliver person-centred care to the people we support. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Olivia, Service Manager, Tracy, Deputy Manager and Anushri, on-site behavioural therapist. They all work at Ruddington View, one of our residential care homes in Nottinghamshire. They'll be chatting about what person-centred care means to them in a residential care home setting and why it's so important for each and every person we support. Hello, welcome to the Voyage Care podcast. I'm Anushri Mehta. I'm the Behaviour Support Practitioner based at Ruddington View. Today I'm joined by Olivia and Tracy, and we're going to be talking about how we provide person-centred care at uh, Ruddington View, the residential care home. I'll give the ladies a chance to introduce themselves. I'm Olivia England, the Registered Manager here at Ruddington View. I've actually worked for Voyage Care now for 13 years, and I started off in a as a deputy manager in a residential home for learning and physical disabilities. I was there for, I think it was about um, just over 11 years and I've been now at Woodington View for just over a year and a half, I think it is. Um, and working for Voyage Care, I have learned a, a huge amount. I don't even know where to start, but I have been supported to sort of progress in my role, um, move up from deputy to registered manager as well as um, being supported to do my um, level five. So I'm I'm Tracy Hurt. I'm the deputy at Ruddington View. I've worked with Voyage for about eight and a half years. I started in um, learning disability with physical disability. I did that for six years and then fancied a bit of a change. So came over onto the mental health side. Um, I've been here now for three years, where I've, I've, I've learned an awful lot around person-centered care and the different diagnoses that people get and how different and adaptable you have to be to, to each individual within that time you know the the amount of training that you know luckily voyage providers mm-hmm. has been immense in my role so um just recently i did a personality and attachment disorder course which was 12 months that that was really influential in in my role and and the people that we get you know coming into service so we we're also really lucky in our service. We we have a new who's our um, on-site behaviour therapist who works here four days a week. Um, Anu, did you want to say a bit about your role? So um, most of my role is supporting staff and working together with Liv and Tracy and you know doing support plans and coming up with strategies to use to manage um, people with sports behaviour. Um, I've been at Ruddington View for just over two and a half years. Prior to this, most of my experience has been with children with autism and learning disabilities. So coming to Ruddington View has been brand new, um, very informative. I'm still learning constantly. Like with um, Olivia and Tracy, it's very different here. So we're always kind of on our toes, ready to you know, modify what we're doing and adapt and use new strategies in supporting the people in our care. Today, we're going to talk about person-centered care. What would you say is person-centered care to you, Livia? To begin with, it should be about getting to know the person that you're supporting, and their likes, their dislikes, things that are important to them, empowering them, giving them a sense of belonging and opportunities to sort of go out into the community to do things that they enjoy and do thing, uh, tasks that they enjoy and live a healthy, independent lifestyle as much as possible. Great, thank you. Tracy? Yes, similar to what what Olivia was saying. Um, I think it's about recognising, you know, a person's strengths and abilities 
um, enabling them to use these to, to maximise their independence. Um, because we are a residential home, I think it's really important so that we can we can try and move people into more independent living. What are some things we do here at Burlington View that encourage that sort of person-centred approach? Our service is quite specific, so we cater to a lot of different diagnoses and conditions. Um, so we, we have to be very person-centred because we deal with people with autism, brain injury, we, we have one resident with Prader-Willis syndrome and um, we deal with mental health issues. It, it's not one rule works for all. It has to be presented to, to that individual to help them. So it's respecting the individual and, and what's unique to them. And um, we're constantly learning. Yeah, every time we get an admission, especially with the unplanned beds the way it is, we're just learning literally on the day they come in and every day from that, getting to know that individual, what works well for them of what we need to do to change and how we support their and meeting their needs yeah so like autism before i started here i didn't realize quite how varied the range of yeah. the autism spectrum was how you know how because one thing works for another wouldn't necessarily work for somebody else yeah. i think when we talk about person-centered approach a lot of times it's about the person but it's just as important to consider us as carers yeah. as staff yeah. and how important it is for us to be flexible and kind of modifying our approaches and changing how we um, support that individual based on what we learn about them and continuing to keep changing that. We, we work closely with um, uh, the MDT of the person that moves in, don't we, as well, and their families and get to know them that way, um, which helps. Yeah, so like, for example, the, the lady that we had move into one of our self-contained apartments, we'd modified her, her environment to, to what, you know, she wanted. She's one of the ladies that we have with Prada Willie. She requested for the kitchen to be removed because it brought on her anxieties. Mm -hmm. I think at the minute she's painting it, you know, the colour that she she likes. Yeah. So you're just continuing to use her as an example. Can you think of any other things we've done to support her personality and individual traits, individual likes and dislikes? Um, she's got her own garden. So she uh, she's able to choose how this is done she's she goes goes out to the um garden center and makes the garden look really nice um we also sort of liaise with her mdt a dietitian especially around her menus and make sure that she's in, heavily involved in those and she changes it quite often um if she fancies some, something different or some trying something new on a menu how can we tell if care is person-centered what are some things you'd see in how you're supporting that individual Using a, a holistic approach, so working closely with external health professionals, like we said before, to understand what's important to the person, supporting them to make decisions that are in their best interests um, around the care and treatment and identifying um, and helping them to achieve any goals that they might have. I think you can tell with the individual, um, you know, if they'll seem happier within, yeah. within, within the service, you know, hopefully, you know, behaviours and and things will decrease, like with using the active support, it helps a lot, it gives them meaning to, to their day and gives them things to to strive towards. We're encouraging that freedom of choice and giving them a say in what they're doing, whether it's with meals or activities or decorating, like to use the example. Um, do you think person-centered care impacts staff and their daily performance when they're supporting the people in our care? I think it helps that the staff know the people's support well and to get to know them well, to know what works best for them. 
and that everybody's doing the same thing yeah. consistency yeah you're working to the same goal i think it's helped build staff confidence as well when they feel you know they're helping that person achieve something that's important to them and helping them need to need yeah and, and that in turn then makes staff happier so promote staff to work as a team because you're working together to achieve that same goal um, and also i think just that moving away from caring for the person to you know doing things with and encouraging them to build their skills and gain confidence and have a sense of accomplishment which in turn like you're saying you know if the person you support is in a good mood that's going to then translate into staff having that positive attitude as well yeah i think that's especially true with autism tracy you mentioned autism are you thinking of anyone in particular you'd like to talk to us about Yes, yeah, so we, we have a, an individual with autism who's in one of our self-contained apartments. So he came to us about three years ago. He was sort of deemed to be one of the most unplaceable residents in, in Nottinghamshire at the time. It had around 35 placements throughout his, his lifetime. So when he came to us, it was quite obvious that he needed structure and, and care centred to him. Mm. So even though we like to develop and, you know, make people more independent um he was having an, a lot of behaviors and challenging behavior a lot of verbal and physical aggression and um, so we had to sort of tailor our care to his needs and he liked the containment and boundaries which which took a lot of time it, it was a lot of consistency a lot of the same communication with stuff you know so that we were all telling him the same thing it took months and months, but eventually we'd, we'd noticed that his behaviours were were decreasing to where we're at a point now where he, he probably has one every couple of months because of the, the staff consistency and the person-centred approach we use with him. I think everyone using that same approach and giving him that structure worked well for the staff as well because they knew how to respond to him when he was escalating behaviour. And that consistency meant the person we're supporting knew what to expect, knew he would be getting the same responses from staff. So, you know, engaging in different behaviours wouldn't result in him kind of getting the, the outcome that he used to in the past. Yeah, and, and then that was the same. So certain activities that he enjoyed, obviously, as he's got older, his mobility's decreased. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've sort of altered some of his activities to suit his needs now. So, you know, he, he always wanted a garden. So we were able to get some some raised flower beds for him that, that are just outside of his apartment. You know, he, he doesn't like people generally in his space and environment. Yeah. So he's sort of got his own little fenced off area. I think even with that, because initially the garden was going to be far down towards the back of the main garden. But considering, you know, the walk that he would have yeah. to walk down to the back it just made sense to have it closer to him and he can kind of attend to it more regularly and he can see it just out his window it's there in front of him yeah yeah it, it's something that it, it sort of always wanted you know unfortunately it never really had somewhere where it could call a home yeah. um until, until it came here you just call this home now as well doesn't it it does yeah it's, it's taken a long time but he's he's settled um, I was just thinking, this is my first and only real experience in a residential care home setting. Both of you have had lots of experience in a residential care setting that's a lot different from here. Do you want to share anything about how maybe person-centred care has changed 
over time or have you noticed any differences in, or any improvement? I think, as you said earlier, it's a lot more around not so much what you can do for the individual. Yeah. It, it's what you can do to help them. Mm. So I came from sort of learning disability, the same as Olivia did with um, more physical disabilities and less of the mental health. Yeah. And because people were in wheelchairs and didn't have as much mobility, you tended to find a lot of people did things for them mm. instead of encouraging what they could do for themselves. So even simple things like making a drink, um, you know, they couldn't necessarily, you know, fill the kettle, turn it on, use the hot water. But what they could do is, you know, use a spoon to put sugar into a cup. Yeah, I think person-centred, along with the active support, was was really important in, in breaking down tasks and helping them. Even small things like hand-on-hand support um, and offering a sponge and to do their own personal care, just even slightly you could always see the joy it gave somebody to be able to be a little bit independent. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember one one individual I um I was a key worker to, um, to paint her bedroom, and because she wasn't able to pick out colours and she was non-verbal, um, we put nail varnishes, different coloured nail varnishes, in front of her, and she picked which which bottle of nail varnish, um, she liked, and that was the colour that we we chose for her bedroom. That's what it's all about. You're kind of encouraging that individual to have that sense of belonging in that place that they're in, you know, not knowing, obviously, the background of each each person and their life story. But when they come to us, when they're in your care, you want to do the best you can <laughs> to make yeah. to make them content, to make them have a sense of fulfillment and well-being. Yeah, as you say, it's less doing for them and more making them feel empowered. Yeah, yeah, building them up and helping them in the areas that they can. What's an example of something we've done to encourage those small achievements? I mean, there's different ways, obviously, just naturally, if somebody did something and they're happy about it, you'd join in that joy with them and sort of cheer and celebrate it. Um, But more recently here, we've learned that a gentleman that we support likes to be given physical certificate to say that he's done something well, which gives him the joy. Yeah. I think praise as well, just just praising them for for a job well done, um, positive interactions. You know, I think you do have to celebrate little things. I know when I first started in care and, you know, some interactions with, with some professionals, um, they tend to focus more on, on the big things and less on the little things. And I think it is about recognising and praising, you know, what somebody else might not see as a, a big achievement, you know, is... Is, is really important to them. It's those little steps that's going to help you get to the, the ultimate goal, whatever that person's working towards. And celebrating that is what's going to encourage them and, you know, give them that motivation to keep going and maybe try a little harder, do a little more the next time. And that's going to develop that skill and give them that encouragement they need. What are some ways that you can measure person-centered care? We, we hold person-centred reviews for the people we support, we support that live in the main house sort of um, every year. Well, you, you're documenting the, where they were at last year and what they've achieved this year and what their goals are moving forward. Um, it's slightly different in our unplanned care beds. So we're quite unique. So we have um, unplanned beds, which are three-month stays. Um, so that's where people come in at, in sort of emergency crisis situations. So it's it's really evident, I think, 
you know, you do have to be person centred. And it's easy to see from when they come in to when they leave after the 12 week stay, um, what sort of an impact person centred care has had on them um, while they've been here, because they do come at, you know, sort of the toughest time in their life. And when they leave, they're in a, a different place, a better place and and are able to move on or go back home. You know, when when they come here, we have goals set out by by the MDT and things that they they hope to be achieved over that stay. We do feedback forms to that around what sort of care they've had and what things have worked while they've been here. During their stay, the goal is also to, are they going moving back to the placement they've come from? Are they moving back home? So I think during the whole stay, you're constantly assessing what's going to be right for that person. And I think that's the purpose of their stay becomes person-centered care. Yeah. You're helping make that decision about what's going to be right for them moving forward. Yeah, and then we're involved in really quick transitions. Yeah. It's, you know, transitions for them to come, transitions for, for where they leave to, to go back to. What do you think you've learned around person-centered care while working at the Voyage Care? I think um, respecting the individual's needs and wishes Obviously, that's the main goal, but also adapting our perception and our um, thinking, really, to understand what that person's going through and why they're presenting behaviours and what's the reason behind looking for the function and looking for what we can do to help manage their anxieties and alleviate that stress. Um, Just finding suitable alternatives, looking for options of what we can do to help that person meet that need that maybe for whatever reason isn't accessible at that moment. Um, Working together as a team, building our communication, and that's kind of a a constant goal as a team um, and working together to maintain that um, collaborative approach and consistency within us. Um, I think, again, that that comes and goes when there's different reasons for that person being anxious and working with each other. So staff communicating with us and us communicating with staff when there are changes. I think focusing on positive risk-taking, that's something that sometimes gets kind of under the radar where if someone's settled and engaging and kind of following a routine, you, you might just get used to it, whereas we need to remember to kind of be setting new goals and kind of pushing the limits and encouraging them to try new things or set new goals that we can support them to achieve. Yeah, I think Anu's been really helpful in the management after incidents as well. So, you know, debriefs have been vital with, with staff, you know, being able to to analyse, you know, why an incident happened in the first place and what we could have done differently, you know, what we can change for the future, yeah. I think has really helped, you know, not only the, the people that we support to minimise their behaviours, but also um, to help with staff, they feel listened to and, you know, they're given the tools to, to, to change things for the future, to, to, to stop these things from happening. Thank you, Olivia and Tracy. It's been great talking about person-centered care at Reddington View with you two. I think we try our hardest and continue to do the best we can every day and working together um, to help the people we support reach their potential. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about person-centered care in our residential homes, please visit our website at voyagecare.com. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about our exceptional person-centered care, please visit our website, voyagecare.com.
Stay tuned for another episode of our podcast next week.